CJAM 99.1 FM, your only true sound alternative in Windsor, Detroit. CJAM broadcast from the University of Windsor locally at 99.1 FM and to the world at www.cjam.ca. The Windsor Amputee Support Group aims to provide a place where amputees can share their experiences. The WASG arranges guest speakers, social gatherings, and a peer support mentor program, which is available to both amputees and their families. Our office is now at Hotel DeGrasse Healthcare on Prince Road. Appointments are required. To contact the Windsor Amputee Support Group, call 226-347-6678 or email windsoramps at gmail.com. For more information, visit windsoramps.ca. Sounds here on CGEM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. My name is Weedy Mambo. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us this lovely afternoon. I hope you're doing well and that you're ready to dive into another album with us today. On our show each week, Weezer and I will pick two albums to play through for you, and as we play through them, we'll give you any tidbits about the bands, the artists, and the album that we are playing. It's the best way to really get to know what you're listening to. 
Another way to also do that is by having interviews. And today is a very special show as we have none other than Liz Heisen joining us today, who is the mind behind Picastro. Picastro is a slowcore band based in Toronto, Ontario, and they've been around for quite some time. It has been a summer full of interviews. Weege and I just had Will and James Cohen on two weeks ago. We also had a full series with different artists and bands that were at the North by Northeast Music Festival. And then we also had Kixie live in studio. But all this is to say that this might be our last interview for a little bit since Weege and I are packing up and heading to France for the year. We'll still be doing apps and sounds from over there remotely, but it might be a little while before we figure out how to work around the time difference. That's why I hope you really do enjoy this chat we had with Liz. It was an absolute pleasure, and we are so thankful that she joined us on our show. She is such a talented musician and an ever-so-kind human being. The first song we played for you was Mountain Relief, which comes off of the album You by Picastro. That might give you a little bit of a sneak peek into what we're doing for today. Without further ado, here's our interview. Enjoy. So... To start off, we're always pretty interested in hearing what artists are currently into or listening to, whether that be music, books, movies, or anything. Um, so what's been helping you keep on keeping on lately? Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, I like um, cooking and food podcasts. Um, I know that's not related to music, but... Um, Sometimes it helps me understand things a little bit more because they'll go into sociology or the history of something. Um, and, and mostly just like uh, trying to find music in like today I read a, a Bandcamp article on bands in Pittsburgh, like punk bands and, and like bands that I probably missed because they're you know from the 70s and stuff so I try and like um I think like every day I try and learn one new thing so sometimes it's from a podcast or sometimes it's from a book and sometimes I just and it all will filter in to music I know that sounds weird but it actually does yeah uh that's interesting I actually saw the the uh, that article too. And I only because the, there's a band that I know short fictions that I listen to, and then they were featured in the article. And then they sent me an email. It's like, Oh, this seems interesting. So I guess, yeah, it's always interesting how like things piece together of like back to things you already like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I've kind of want to go there sometime soon. So I was thinking about playing a show and then that article came up and I was like, Oh, that's like serendipitous, you know, because I was, I, and I also just kind of feel like people don't talk about Pittsburgh, but it's, it's a pretty awesome city. Like, so, uh, yeah, all these things kind of mishmash sometimes. Yeah. Do you have a lot of things in your life that kind of happen serendipitously like that? Yeah. But sometimes I just think it's my phone that's tracking me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone should do a study on that. The, like the increase of like things that seem that they're fading, but they're actually just our phones tracking us. Or something. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, Oh, my, my phone is just knows that I was talking to someone in Pittsburgh. Or so I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Hey, how, how much that's changed too. So anyway. Yeah. Um, so jumping into your music a little bit now, um, I'm want to kind of start just from the start of like the background on Picastro and how you got started off. Um, so could you take us a little bit 
back into that um, of how Picastro came to be? Um, yeah. So Picastro was a band that I started. I was in a like a rock, like a kind of noisy rock band called Slogan, which I actually still really like. I mean, I think it's good. Uh, but at the time, I didn't really want to play loud music anymore. And uh, and then I think I heard Smog on Brave New Waves, which is that a CBC show that like, I mean, I can't even believe it existed, but it was amazing. And uh, and he had a cello and there's something about the arrangement I really liked. And then I kind of thought, oh, this would be nice. Um, and at the time, it was, it was actually really weird to play music like that uh, because everything was just loud and, um, you know, kind of very rock oriented. Uh, so I started that way and then everything else kind of just happened on its own because there were a lot of uh, band members that were in punk bands and then uh, band members that were, you know, played classical music. And it never really mattered to me who like who wanted to play with me it just always kind of worked out that I got band members who were open to to anything really I don't know that that's kind of a good summary of like why it started and how it started um I haven't really planned a lot of things out but for the most part I just keep trying to make music that I don't hear and that I want to hear so I'm working on some electronic music now I only say that because I'm trying to learn how to record music a little bit better uh and it again it's just it's just something that I don't hear currently and so I'm like okay well I'll try and make it so that's really the the whole crux of Picastro basically yeah yeah is that how your relationship with music was when you were younger too um no, I mean, I didn't really have a relation. My parents, my my parents and my sister are deaf. So um, I didn't grow up with music in the house. And I think when I was really into it, uh, it was basically just like the cure and uh, like, like kind of cheesy bands too, like Kiss and Guns N' Roses and stuff. And then, and then I kind of got into the weirder stuff, but um, I never I kind of didn't know weird music existed for a while do you know what I mean like I didn't I didn't know who like the X were or Tom Cora until I met Stephanie who was the first cellist and and classical musicians who's kind of who kind of educated me on a lot of things like I knew Smog and I'm trying to think and like maybe the Velvet Underground you know like the Velvet Underground was like the first band where I was like whoa what is this you know but I didn't, um, I wouldn't necessarily say I like gravitated to it. It's just that when I heard it, it, I think maybe it's that, uh, when you hear weird music and you go, oh, what is this? Cause there's, there's kind of a lot going on. I think maybe that attracts me to some music where I'm like, I can't predict what's going to, A, I can't predict what's going to happen and B, um, it sounds different every single time I listen to it, which is sort of maybe subconsciously what I wanted. So, yeah. But also, um, I was curious because uh, I know that you 
played the drums in high school too and started playing the guitar um was using your voice or being a vocalist something that you uh were always kind of focusing on too or is it just something you eventually came felt more comfortable doing um that's a good question because i never wanted to sing i don't think <laughs> uh it took i was really shy and it took me a long time um and i think to be honest maybe early picastro i wasn't really sure what i wanted to do with my voice so i just kind of got away with and i just really like lou reed so i was like into talky singing but not really you know um and uh now i'm sort of a little bit clearer on what i want to do when i sing uh but i never wanted to be a singer i would say <laughs> so that took me i think i had to like get over myself a little bit there just to make it happen more yeah this is a bit of a of an off question but because you mentioned that your uh, parents and your sister are deaf and i read somewhere that or at least it's almost like when you grow up without like that and then um like ASL becomes like your first language growing up. I don't know if that was the same case for you, but um, that's almost like an interesting question. I kind of just am curious how that would translate over into when you like started um, like expressing yourself with your, like through your music, like does that change like lyrically or anything? Or is that just, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious about that. Um, I do think it translates only because I think Picasso can be a little bit too blunt for people in a way, or it's very like, it's, like even the way I play guitar is just sort of like, here are the notes. Like there's not that much flourish or I don't just go ring, you know what I mean? So I think um, in ASL, you kind of have to, to get to the point that you, you can be expressive, but it's when you're expressive in ASL, it's with your, um, your face and your hands and the way your body moves and the way, you know, like the, the actual emotion and, and and it's actually it's not really in the words it's in all the other stuff so I, there's a term for that i don't remember what it is but i do think sometimes that um it maybe changes the way i approach things because i um yeah i it's not so much about you can't just show me something you have to or you can't just tell me something you have to show me the stuff around it. I don't know. I'm not doing a good job of it, but I definitely think it relates. Like it's, it's um, like it's really hard for me to talk to my family, for example, with a mask on. Like we would, well, we, you know, even during COVID, we would have to like pull it down and then stand outside and then talk to each other because it just, it just doesn't work. So um, I I do think that something got translated there, but I don't know. I don't know if I can express it properly. So yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of like going back into using your voice, because um, I know with your music, a lot of it is really, I don't know if I should say harsh, but it's like more of the instrumentation that's brash, but then the vocals are so tucked behind. Do you find that hiding behind those? Like, the, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily hiding. I think the, the vocals, I think, I, I think the way I think of music is, um, every instrument is important and has a place and can be like the lead singer in a way so the in, the voice yeah it's for me it's definitely 
an instrument. It's never going to be, uh, like I know, like I, I, I've had people criticize me in the past where they'll be like, oh, your vocals are really low in the mix, but that's a conscious choice that I made. Um, and I mean, it, this could be related to ASL only in that, you know, it's a lot of people don't think ASL is a language, but just speaking, the act of speaking is a modality. And the, it's the same with the voice. It's just, your voice is just one way to express something, but it's not, it's, it's not the, it's not the only thing. Like, why does it have to be the only thing? It's just like if Jermaine is playing a solo, a drum solo, and it's like this just super beautiful moment, it should be given as much uh, listening, <laughs> I don't know, attention as the voice. Um, so I don't know if I hide behind things. I think I just genuinely think that music is made up of all of these parts and that they're all equally valuable. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel very like... I feel like I'm a very um, democratic uh, <laughs> music uh, composer, collaborator. I don't know, but yeah, I like I like hearing everybody. So yeah.
Welcome back. You're listening to Apps and Sounds here on CJM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. Those two songs we played for you there were Two Women and Endlessly, which come off of the album You by Picastro. We're currently playing an interview we did with Picastro, and we'll jump right in. Yeah, I think that also kind of goes into like the... I don't know. It's not like like you're literally mentioning kind of just that there's not much like fluff in a way behind your music too. But um, I don't know. I think it's like really interesting to as a listener to kind of feel like well, it's it's out there. Like you can't really hide behind this thing. And it seems I, people have mentioned. I, I've read in like articles where this where they'll describe your music as kind of like scary or a little bit uh, menacing. Yeah. I mean, does it feel scary to you? <laughs> Um, I think just recently it it has, like, I think I didn't understand what people meant and then, well, and then I'll hear a song and I'm like, well, yeah, that's pretty scary. Like, but I, but, uh, maybe it's, I think maybe I just like soundtrack music too. And then that, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that sounds kind of nice. Um, but I definitely think I turned a bit of a corner over COVID and was like, oh, I can hear some things. Yeah, no, I do think some of it is scary. But I, I think I was probably just really scared when I wrote that about something. I don't know what it was, but like, I think things scare me and that it was a genuine reflection of, you know, it's not like, it's not like I'm trying to scare people. I mean, it's really just at the time, that's, that's what I wanted to hear, I think, or I wanted it to comfort me somehow. But I, it wasn't like, uh, I wasn't trying to be intentionally, I don't know, like I wasn't trying to be provocative or something. I just, it, it really is like a sincere thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of start from a place of wanting the music to speak to, well, for you, making the music for yourself to comfort you. And then whatever happens after it kind of happens. Yeah, for sure. It's a very like, I mean, I'm always really happy when people say, oh, this song really helped me out when I was sad or when I was you know I love that stuff um but uh, probably most musicians if they were honest they would you know they would admit that it's for them and then if you if someone else happens to like it that's or I guess if you make money I don't make money playing music. <laughs> like I maybe I was just thinking about it differently like if you were like Taylor Swift maybe you would care if someone liked your song but I kind of have the luxury of of like that's not like I like that uh, almost more because then there's no pressure um I'm only saying this because I have friends who make money off music and I feel like that's a lot of pressure so mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think even in that sense it would feel very uh not to say distorted but kind of just like hard to figure out what exactly you sound like for yourself because you have to like consider everybody else or what they want you to sound like too yeah and um like, I remember um, there's this artist, uh, Shayna Klee, who she always talks about how, because she's like an actual like sculpture artist, and she was talking about how um, having different revenue streams definitely helps her to create better. So it's not like she's dependent on this one thing, and if people really like it, then she has to keep making it because then it's like she's not going to have any money to live. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I'm sure a lot of musicians have to divide up their, yeah they have to do a lot of things these days like it's not like you just play music you have to do a million other things or yeah mm-hmm. interesting do you have anything else that you like i don't want to say dabble in but you have any like other outlets that you express yourself in or you i don't know find yourself drawn to maybe um uh, 
I'm 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 kind of interested. I I got a grant for something. I'm kind of interested in building like a a sound sculpture uh, for it's actually for deaf people and sort of a way for hearing people to maybe engage with music uh, in a different way. Uh, and I <laughs> I just realized too. I started a film. Uh, like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, or I don't remember. And I'm trying to finish it. It's shot and everything and edited. It's just the sound, which is, the sound is, the film is very short, but it's narrated by the sound. So I really got to get on that. And then, uh, and then this sound sculpture sort of installation that I got to start this year, um, which I'm really excited about. But again, it's 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 like I, I would say almost all these things come back to me figuring out like uh, like maybe my understanding of things as like a person, as a human, as an artist, as you know, like I, I if I do something, it's because I need to see it or understand it or yeah, work through something. <laughs> uh, so I don't do anything else though. Gardening, I don't know if that counts. Cooking, <laughs> I think that counts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, are you a good gardener? I I mean, I I thought I was, but I noticed that other people's tomatoes look better than mine this year. So I was just like, oh, so I don't know if everyone in the garden just kind of has some secret (laughs) strategy. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do not adjust your frequency. You are about to enter a dimension. A dimension of sight, a dimension of sound, a dimension of mind, a dimension that redefines radio in Windsor and Detroit. You are now entering C-Jam 99.1 FM. Every week, C-Jam compiles top 30 in specialty charts with the most played new music at the station. Find our charts in the new section at cjam.ca or at earshot-online.com. Thursdays at 5 p.m., tune in to the Top 12 Countdown for an overview of the overall charting albums. We are breaking new ground in sound and keeping Windsor Detroit Radio in a constant state of redefinition. CJAM 99.1 FM. Kind of going back to the music again, um, and kind of creating for yourself, but also... and. Um, you know, knowing who you are as a musician, I think that definitely also kind of connects to knowing who you are as a person. Cause I feel like, um, artistic ventures are always really connected to, um, are deeply personal. So I feel like if, pers- if someone's really, you know, knows who they are as a musician, then they, I feel like that would at least feed into who they are as a person or being certain of who they are that way. Um, and I remember I was reading an interview where you mentioned that you know what you sound like regardless of, what other people might, you know, com- who other people might compare you to or misunderstand you or misperceive you. And so I'm, I'm curious, are there still things that you think people don't really understand about your work or do interpret incorrectly? I mean, I, maybe I, I feel like, I feel like most people who know me know that I'm not like a sad uh, person all the time. Uh, but, but maybe that's, I don't know if I can blame people for thinking that about me, but I, I do know that like the last couple of shows I've played, I noticed the one word that people say, and I don't know if it's because they know me, 
but they just say, oh, that was really comforting. And I'm like, ah, that's, that's it. That's like, that is what I'm trying to get across. Like, maybe it sounds sad to you or, or whatever. You just don't, you're not in the mood. That's fine. But like, it really should feel like I'm, I'm not that I'm hugging the person, but like, I find it weird that people just, I, I, I think it's obvious that I'm like a super emotional person. So uh, that's good and bad, I guess. I don't know, but um I don't, I, I guess I just don't really like it if someone just thinks I'm miserable all the time. I'm really not. So uh, like people who make happy music are usually sad about something. They just not, they're just not telling you, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I think that's what it is, but yeah, I, I, that bothers me, but I try not to think too much about what people think anyway.
Yeah. When you are you when you perform live, are you usually in the mood for it too, or if does it is it hard for you to get into the mood to sing the song? Usually, lately, I've been pretty into it. I do think that on tour can be stressful to play every single night when you're not into it sometimes, and or people are just talking or they're not. Like I've definitely played bars in Europe and stuff where they're clearly meant for people to party and then i just i'm just like okay i'm not really interested in this um but that's also part of it you you kind of you kind of have to go along with it right so um that's i i mean i try and have perspective if i'm not in the mood i'm like it's just one day and i'll feel better probably tomorrow or yeah yeah definitely i mean I always, I don't know, I always kind of figured it would have, it would be hard to, like, always to put on that face to be in front of people to, to perform. I mean, well, this is kind of a two-headed question, but the first side would be, do you tend to, like, drown in misery when you're, when you're feeling sad or, like, I don't know, fully embody the emotion when you are feeling something? Or, I don't know, is it easier for you to, like, separate yourself from it? And the second thing that I was kind of wondering would be, like, kind of that method acting thing like do you ever have to compose yourself before you have to get on stage if you're like I don't know I try I was I was actually the first show I played after COVID I was actually really really nervous and it was weird I found I had no like it's like I forgot everything or like I couldn't cope really um I was but I was also super emotional for other reasons that day and uh I was really I thought I was better at it. I started boxing a few years. Like I, I've been boxing for a long time, I should say, but I started sparring, like physically sparring uh, like a few years ago. And I actually found that that helped me a lot. It helped me uh, just kind of separate my feelings quite a bit because usually it's in boxing. You never, you, you just poker face. It's, you don't, emotions will never help you. So I, it has helped me with music, but I was a little bit shocked at how I'm curious about what other music, how the other musicians felt when they started playing again. Cause it, it kind of takes you back a little bit. Like, uh, um, I, I, I don't, and I don't, and I, and I pretty much wear my heart on my sleeve all the time. Like if I'm nervous at a show, I'll just say to everybody who's there, I'm nervous and I'm going to tell you. And then, and then they could do what they want. But like once I just remembered once at a show, I, I dropped my passport in the toilet, like after I peed oh <laughs> and I told everybody at the show, cause I was nervous that it was like going to mess up my passport. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't even remember what was going, but like, so it's just, I just, I just think that I just say it uh, because it's weirder for me to, I think in the past, what happened would I would I would kind of not say what it was, and then it would make it worse and tense, and then everyone in the audience would feel that tension. So I just kind of like twice now I've had people close to me die right before a show, and I remember the first time I did it, I I said to the audience, I I'm really all distracted because this thing happened, and um and and if I'm emotional, that's why. And somebody said, thank you for sharing that. And I was like, that's, that's all I really, that's great. Like that's, that's all I, and then the show is better because you tell everybody 
instead of there being attention because maybe you're you're not feeling like you're all there you know so yeah that's actually i feel like the same way about relationships too you know like if you have if you don't tell them they'll probably assume that it's something that you did or i don't know the tension will be there yeah yeah you're right that's exactly what it is if you don't tell someone they think it's them and you don't want them to think it's them so you it's just better to tell them yeah yeah Yeah. and i think like people that come to watch you live like obviously do care about the musician that they're watching they don't like i don't think anyone wants to see someone struggle so i feel like people i mean for the most part are pretty caring about you know if you're not feeling well like they'll be understanding about it too or at least you know well i think it just makes it a better experience for both parties
You're tuned in to Raps and Sounds here on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. My name is Weedy Mambo, and each week my twin sister Weezer and I will pick two albums to dive into and play them for you here on our show. As we do that, we'll give you any interesting tidbits and notes we find about the album and the artists and the whole creative process, anything we can put together that you might find interesting. On today's show, we are doing an interview with Picastro, and in true Raps and Sounds fashion, we are going to be playing through the album, You. In fact, if you were sneaky enough to go and look up the songs as we played through them, you would have noticed we have been playing through the album You already. The last three songs we played were from that album, and were Vampires, Timor, and Judas Claim. Now, Picastro did release an album this year, which was called I've Never Met a Stranger. I hesitate to call it a cover EP because it really is a completely different reworking of all these original songs, but it is based on songs that already do exist by artists that I think Picastro is inspired by to some degree. I would encourage you to go listen to it. It was released earlier in the year, in January. But for today's show, we're going to be playing through the album You, which was released February 10th, 2014. And we're playing it because it was released on our birthday. And so I couldn't help but be biased towards picking this album to play for you today. And as you can already tell, it's a very beautiful one as well. We get the chance to ask Liz a little bit more about the album, so settle in as we start right from the start. So my daughter was like about two when I was writing some of that. Because uh, so, we still play a few songs from that record too, actually. I really like that record. Um, it was a little bit, I would say like a little bit of a mishmash between some members leaving and some members coming in. Like that was Brandon's last record. Although he's on, he's on the EP actually. But I think I was just trying to come to terms with being a parent <laughs> and then uh figuring out how to be a grown-up <laughs> i think because state man is very very uh, it's it's like really about my frustration with working um and then and kind of like a comment on this way of living i guess um and then endlessly is like very like very much about my kids um and like just being a person who likes to create it's it's all about me I guess I think like there was that was like maybe a tricky time for me for a bunch of reasons and in various relationships I had and so uh I was trying to to sort of see them all differently I guess when and also too when when a new person gets added to your life and then when someone gets taken away you kind of have to reassess and like re you have to change everything um so I think with that record I was trying to figure out some stuff um I I actually think maybe from there it gets a little bit like some of those songs aren't about me at all but I think that that record maybe it's it's starting to diverge a bit and become more about other things yeah because February is definitely not about me but but yeah 
I really like that song. I just, that one, I, 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 now I think it's scary at the time. I didn't <laughs> now I'm like, that's a pretty scary song. So yeah. I was a man who worked for the state and I held your bones and I'll make them J-A-M-F-M 99.1 CGM.ca Community Radio Bridging Boundaries Between Windsor and Detroit Attention Windsor and Detroit musicians CGM wants you Every month CGM creates a local singles compilation exclusively for programmer use At the end of each month we tally up the plays and make a chart of the top local tunes Join the CJM FM Singles Club today and get your music on the radio. Submit your fresh new tracks to cjammd at gmail.com with the subject line Singles Club. You can find yourself at the top of CJM's monthly local chart, the CJM Singles Club, just another way we're reaching higher ground in Windsor, Detroit. Find more information at cjm.ca. Yeah, I think one thing that's kind of, that always, whether subconsciously or like, unconsciously happens is what like the title of an album how it influences what i don't know maybe it's our concept of what the album is about um so can you tell us a little bit about like what the title you just like an external it was it was about everybody in my life yeah like it, it was just like and you know if someone walked into a room it was like they probably and there's also so there's a lot so february is 
is not about me, but um, I, I guess because I was thinking about being like a creator for that record. And so I was watching this Fassbender movie. And at the end, he says, um, he said something like, I, I, I don't create things. I'm a, I'm a witness. And I was like, oh, that's, and I know a lot, like if you, a lot of writers get accused of stealing things from their friends, you know, they'll be like, oh, if I hang out with you, are you going to write a book about me? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I feel like I felt when he, when I read that statement, I put it in the song because I felt like I was an observer to something that happened to somebody, but I wasn't actually implicated in anything because I may be not putting myself in there in the, in the mix. I'm just watching, which is very, like, I I feel like you almost have to do that when you're creating something you, you can't be participating. You have to watch. So, um, but you definitely, yeah, I, I was kind of touching on friends and, you know, my partner and then having kids and then, you know, so yeah, it was definitely a, a mix of people in my life. I think it's also, I don't know, like, um, specifically about two women, I'll get to this a little later, but uh, I recently watched Three Women, I don't know, I was like, uh, to see like what the reference of that would uh, make a connection. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I find it so interesting, kind of always like looking for where things start or where things end. Maybe it's because we're twins. And in my head, I always kind of struggle to like know where my sister starts and where do I end? And like, how do we differentiate ourselves? Um, and especially like, I don't know if anyone who's listening has seen the movie, but the way that um, Pinky, where Pinky starts until Millie ends. Um, and and I kind of just wanted to like get a little bit into like whether, not maybe specifically your inspiration, but kind of just like identity and how that like, especially with like the adding, not adding your children to your life, but having, you know, like, I don't know, just like, yeah, where like, you where start, you... where Picasso ends, where your children are, start where your children end versus, you know what I mean? Like the line of identity and how that connects through everybody else that goes. Yeah, like... definitely. I definitely felt like I feel like two women all the time. And 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 sometimes I get really resentful because, you know, like like when I go on tour, people go, who's watching your kids? And I can and I say this to my male friends all the time I'm like when you go on tour nobody ever asks you like who's watching your kids you know because you're like the babysitter and I'm the you know so I feel like uh just just being a woman itself is like you're expected to to be one kind of person or one kind of I I don't really get that so I guess I was I definitely felt like two women and now I just feel like I don't know I don't know what I feel like, but I like it's I no, you're right. I, I was probably sorting through that because I just like I said, I went from one kid to two and then I felt like sort of all these expectations and stuff. And I wasn't I wasn't I, I think it's hard to I don't know why I feel like it exists in music, but it maybe I'm not understanding, but I feel like people just assume that once you have kids, you're not supposed to be a creator anymore. You're just supposed to be a caregiver or something. And I don't, I don't really understand that. I don't, I don't, I don't get why that's a thing in society. I don't get why people are surprised that I want to go on tour or like go out and have friends. And you know what I mean? Like it's, 
it's I mean that's that would be a very conservative conservative (laughs) person but like I've definitely gotten asked and sometimes I get asked by other male musicians like who's watching your kids on tour and I'm like are you kidding me like you're supposed to be you're you play an ex, you play experimental music why are you so i know so like, boxed in I know. like that's crazy to me so yeah it's just i find it shocking sometimes anyway yeah it kind of reminds me of this quote uh i don't even know who it's by but it's all the women in me are tired <laughs> and um i always find it kind of funny because it's like yeah the me that's supposed to be like the educator or like the athlete the child or the you know the daughter all those women in me are tired and i don't have any uh identity that i feel like i could take comfort in at the moment but also like i notice in your music you do play with different points of views a lot of times too and even while you mentioned statement and i'm curious is there almost like this identity that you take most comfort in with yourself or that you kind of retreat to when you do feel tired of all those other things. Oh, that's a good idea. No, but maybe I should start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I, I, I think also too with you, I started to drift towards, I just didn't want anyone to think any of the music was personal. So I just started to use male pronouns because I was like, I'm really tired of this and it doesn't really matter if it's a man or a woman in the song anyway. And uh, I don't want anyone to feel excluded anyway. So I think that and then exit was like very much about me just like I just wanted to take mm-hmm. myself out. So uh I think um maybe I could do that. I, I I think I just don't like being pinned down by one identity, so I try and switch it all the time. I think that's actually pretty common. I'm, now the more I think about it, because I feel like every time PJ Harvey makes a record, she like does something Different. and then it matches the this the thing, whatever it is. Um, I'm not so literal, but I can see why people do that. You know, like it's a, it's, it's like you, you almost have to do it for yourself to be like, I'm done with this other person I've moved on. And now I'm this person and you change. So um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, but people used to do that. Like, right. Like a lot of female writers do that. They just have a male pseudonym and then that's it. Yeah. So it could work. Yeah. That's such an interesting question. I never thought about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think also just like throughout the album, specifically like in the tracks, uh, it was like the those two. It was Timor, I think that's how you pronounce it. But then also Judas claim, like those both, I think were ones where I'm just like, ah, the the singing is so crazy, but also just like it's almost like I don't know how to what the right word for it would be, but there's so much dissonance in there. The vocals are so unique and especially like with the warbly vocals of this um in the background and i always wonder is it difficult for you have you found it difficult to sing like that or to yeah to train yourself to sing like that or is it just not that difficult oh yeah yeah with judas claim i asked somebody to sing on my friend alex and i think he was sort of pushing me during the recording to like do something else i think that's really what he was getting at and i did and then I was just sort of like, oh, what did we just do? I don't know. And then Sandro Perry, who's awesome, he mixed it. And he was sort of, 
I think he found it a, a bit hard too to manage because he was like, it's going to not sound like a song pretty soon because it's just the way it's, it's arranged. Um, I definitely would have a hard time singing like that now, but it, it, it actually suited the song, I think, at the time. Or like where I what I was trying to do with it, I think so. And then the and then Timur, I think is that the one where there's just it's just no words, right? There's yeah. I mean there, but then at the, I I mean I don't I can't decipher them, so maybe I don't know what you are. <laughs> like is it English? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you were singing a different language. I really like that song too. Actually, I gotta listen to that. But I I do think it would be hard. Like I, um. Even now, like when I start, if I start to lose it at a show, I haven't really lost it at a show in a while, but if I do, um, my, I, I just, my voice is like the first thing to go. Like I don't have enough control over it to like reel it back in. And when I'm upset, it's like really obvious. So, cause it, my voice will just tell you. Um, and I think in the early days of Picasso, people actually really liked that. Like they, they wanted to see someone kind of just like, in the middle of a breakdown or something. I don't know. But they were just like, people, some people were super into it. But I mean, sometimes I think about it, like that tells you something about how how covered up most people are because you, there's not, sometimes people just feel like they have to to be slick with everything. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you always have, it, it, it is good to be slick and professional sometimes, but not always, you know, so I'm not going to do that again, but it, it, you know, it does make me think of how, if I'm upset or something, uh, my voice will kind of like warble a little bit. Um, and I have to sort of try and reel it back in. That's all. I think um, when you mentioned that, well, that, pe- you know, people kind of try to be slick sometimes. Um, I remember there was this thing I was looking at when it was, it's almost like the decision between like, you can, when you're in a conversation, you can take the path to like, dive in deep and like, I don't know, or you could like stay this on the safe side where things are not, you know, we're kind of boring or but not like as dangerous into like getting into that emotion. Um, and this is going to be like the most random thread that I'm <laughs> pulling from it because it, I don't know why it's by my brain <laughs> spark the connection. But um because I was reading, I've been reading Pale Kings by David Foster Wallace, and he talks a lot about, like, I don't know, like, the boring, mundane aspects of life. <laughs> and, I don't know, the boring parts that we always kind of are drawn to. Um, and I also noticed, well, I read that you were reading, that you read a lot of David Foster Wallace's work, too. And I was kind of curious how you managed to get through it, because it's kind of heavy. Or, yeah. Well, I didn't, I haven't read Infinite Jest. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I started it. I, I think I got a hundred pages in and I said, it feels like he's arguing with you. Like <laughs> no. while you're reading the book, you're just like, are you fighting with me? <laughs> like I'm reading. He makes you sort of like not passive in a way. And I don't, I don't know. I just, I had to stop. I, I think I just read collected short stories and I find him super interesting. At the time I was like, I don't, I don't want this, you know, yeah. so I don't know. I should go back to that, but I'm really, I'm only reading Octavia Butler right now and I'm finding half of it like super awesome. And then half of it, I'm just like, this is so, uh, she has the same birthday as me. Oh, <laughs> I, know. I was like, Oh, and then I read something in one of her books and I was like, Oh man, 
we're connected, but anyway, <laughs> um, so I got, I should go back to David Foster Wallace, but I just, yeah, I just remember thinking he's, he, it, does it feel like he's fighting? It feels, it's he... like, I have to use all my mental capacity to like read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of ironic because it's the birthday thing where I see an album and was like, oh, it's it's February 10th. That's It was made for me. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I think like a lot of the setting or like the atmosphere always like kind of saves into it. And I, I don't know. I always thought this the album was specifically a winter album. Maybe it's because of the title. I mean, the like the track February 2. Um, but yeah, and I know that atmosphere and the mood always ends up influencing things that you create in any capacity um at all and so i was curious um of how i don't know is it a winter album is is it like was there an influence with the time of year or with the seasons or anything that ended up coming through or you know seeping into it um in general i'd say winter is like yeah, it's pretty much everywhere. Um, I I feel like I lived in LA briefly and I remember thinking, oh, I can't, like, I can't even make music here because it's just, it's like so sunny all the time. So I definitely feel like there's something about the stillness and um, yeah, there's something that's less busy about it too. That I'd say winter is a pretty predominant <laughs> feeling. Like it feels like, that but i don't know people in hot countries seem to like the cast i don't they don't really <laughs> think they have winter but anyway but that's yeah i just realized that now i'm like oh a lot of people in spain seem to be into it but their winter is not our winter so yeah <laughs> but for me for sure
You saying that reminded me of this poem that says, like, take me back to insert place where sadness makes sense. Because it's like when you're in California or L.A., it's like the eternal sun. Like, that's the only mood that you can have. Um, when I find it, I'll, I don't know, I'll yeah. read it for the... It was a... Yeah, I really like that poem, nice. too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really nice, yeah. It really was. I'm, like, searching on my phone, but you can do the yeah, last I was going to say... <laughs> Yeah, we are going to end off our interview today, but we have one last question for you. Um, I know we've talked a lot about different identities, uh, especially just with you, and I'm always curious about, I mean, you're always endlessly creating yourself and the Picasso that is here today and the Liz that's here today, and I always like to ask uh, if there is something that I guess you could imagine the future Picasso, who that person would be like, or how it would be different from you right now? Or also, if you have a message to, like, future you, what would it be? I just... Uh, I feel like uh, future Picasso is just... I'm really into, like, actually banal things these days. So maybe... I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be less serious. Not that it's going to be, like, comedy, but it's not... Um, I think it's just going to be, I just feel like I'm moving further and further away from it being about anything super personal. Like now it's just becoming this whole other thing and that's good. That's kind of the way you can't really make the same thing twice. So, um, but I don't have other than stay hopeful (laughs) because I, I feel like I went through pretty bad spells during COVID and I, and, uh, it just, there's not a lot of 
people to ask sometimes. Like, I feel like when you, when you keep playing music and keep playing and keep playing, you have like a few people you can ask, but not that many. And uh, that can be kind of a strange feeling, but um, I feel okay. I feel, I feel like the future will be good. Yeah. Yay. That's a good note to end on. (laughs) Yeah. And that's it. Thank you so much, Liz, for being on our show today. It was such a gift to have you. And we're so thankful that you decided to agree to do this. And thank you for listening. The poem we usually was referring to earlier is the poem, I'm Going Back to Minnesota Where Sadness Makes Sense by Dennis Smith. It was featured on Poetry Unbound December 2021, but you may also read it on On Being's website. It is really a beautiful poem. And while you're at it, go and check out CJAM's social media. You can find them pretty much anywhere, CJAM 99.1 FM. And as always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Apps and Sounds. And our archives are always on Mixcloud in the link in our bio. We're going to close out today's show with the song February, which is the best month of them all. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a great afternoon, good evening, or good night, wherever you are. Catch you next week. Bye.
飞。